May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's great to see uh, you in person, to see your faces in the pews. Um, as I was reflecting on today's gospel, and specifically the words of Jesus as he talks about the harvest being plentiful, I uh, recalled something that happened years back, but which has really stuck with me and which made a deep impression on me. It was something that happened uh, as I was still a college student, and I happened to be on, uh, I believe it was summer break, and so I was back home uh, in Fredericksburg, and at the time, uh, being a college student, uh, my schedule was really that of the opposite of a normal human being. So I was essentially nocturnal. And as I was home one summer, summer evening, um, late into the night, if not already early morning, I had the TV on, and lo and behold, a televangelist comes on. And he is preaching and uh, preaching endlessly about the need for us, for you, to plant a seed. And in televangelist speak, planting a seed means give me your money. And it can be money order, it can be check, cash, any method is acceptable. But the important thing is to plant that seed. And this time the preacher was talking about planting a seed of just $100. And if you plant this seed of just $100, you will reap a harvest. That's the word. You will reap a harvest. Now, for this preacher, planting a seed of $100 meant you would reap a harvest of material wealth and blessing, financial success, um, prosperity within your family, your career, all your accomplishments. The harvest promised was everything materially that your heart could ever desire. Now, as I listened to the preacher go on and on about planting this seed of $100 and reaping a harvest of financial success, my blood began to boil. I became more and more angry. And for those of you who know me, I'm a pretty calm, laid-back sort of person, so it takes a lot for me to get angry, uh, even more so to actually get to a point where I feel like I have to express my anger explosively. And so... I actually got to such a point of anger that I picked up the phone and I actually called. I called the number that they had emblazoned at the bottom of the screen. And once I got someone on the other end of the line, I just unleashed all of my pent-up righteous indignation, all of my anger, all of my hatred at this perversion of the gospel. And it didn't take long for me to realize that this poor guy on the other end of the line had little to nothing to do with the charlatan who was on the screen. So I, I quickly apologized. But that experience has stuck with me all these years because I think it was one of the clearest examples I have ever seen of God's name being taken in vain, of the language of harvest being misappropriated in such a, a gross way as to mean profiting at the expense of some of our most vulnerable members of our community. 
who are giving some of their last money to support someone already very wealthy. When we turn to the gospel for today, this story provides us with a very stark counter image to what true and biblical harvest really looks like. In fact, as we look at the gospel text for today, harvest hardly looks like anything positive at all. Uh, Jesus has just finished a tireless day of preaching and teaching in the synagogues, of healing, we are told, every sickness, every disease, every illness. And yet, at the end of all of this effort, he looks out and sees before him still an ocean of unmet need, of work yet to be done, of illnesses yet to be healed. He sees a crowd helpless and harassed, we are told. This is the harvest. That is the harvest. It's a harvest that looks to our eyes perhaps more like a famine. And as we look out around our world and in our country, perhaps we also see what looks to be nothing but a famine. A country, a world ravaged not only by a global pandemic, but now by political and racial divisions that seem to drive deeper by the day and by strife that seems unconquerable. How is this a harvest? And yet, and yet the eyes of Christ perceive a different landscape. As he looks out on the crowd that is harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, as he looks out on them, somehow, some way, he discerns a harvest, a moment of opportunity for healing, for bringing wholeness. How does Jesus arrive at this alternate vision of reality when clearly right in front of him, very apparently, there is so much suffering, so much need, how can he see a harvest? Jesus does not declare this harvest in a moment of naive optimism, nor does he do so out of willful denial of the suffering that is in front of him. And he certainly doesn't declare a harvest as a means of profiting at the expense of the vulnerable in his midst. Jesus declares a harvest based on one thing, one experience, and it is a deeply transformative spiritual and emotional experience that we all know as compassion. Compassion. Compassion is what allows Jesus to see a harvest. The, the word for compassion here is not some uh, distant, condescending pity that we have on those lower than us. The word for compassion here is a deep movement of spirit that arises from within oneself, literally from within one's guts, one's bowels, that gives rise to a sense of empathy, of compassion for the plight of the other. This is the same movement of spirit that gives rise to streams in the desert. This is the compassion that transforms an ocean 
and bottomless pit of need and suffering and illness and unclean spirits into a plentiful harvest. Now, in order to experience some such compassion, though, there are two things that we must remember. The first of which is that in order to experience that deep compassion, we must have our eyes open, our eyes opened. This is what we see. Jesus only reaches a place of compassion by looking truly deeply into the heart of suffering, by being in the midst of it. As his eyes are opened to how harassed and helpless they are, it is then when he feels compassion, when his heart is stirred. And in the same way, we can only experience compassion if we have our eyes open to the suffering around us. And even our eyes open to how we ourselves might contribute to that harassment and helplessness that we see among others. It's been said that hope is born when optimism dies. And there is a truth in that. It is only when we get down to the gritty and often painful work of opening our eyes to just how deep the suffering is around us that our heart can be stirred to compassion. The second thing to remember about this compassion is that once we have seen the plight of the other and how deep the suffering is, is that it does not lead us to despair, which it often can. The second part about compassion that we see in the gospel is that it doesn't lead to Jesus, Jesus to despair, but to empower and to empowerment. In the Gospels, we see Jesus immediately after he stirred to compassion for these helpless people, he summons his disciples, his 12, and they are listed by name. They are not the strongest or bravest or most intelligent or thoughtful disciples. They are all of them, including a tax collector who would have been very hated in Jesus' time for collaborating with Rome. He calls a zealot who would have hated the tax collector disciple for collaborating with Rome. He calls a doubter in Thomas, and he calls a traitor. And he calls all of them, and he empowers them. Out of compassion, he empowers them for work in the harvest. He empowers them with his very same authority that he has been exercising to drive out demons and to heal those with illnesses. Compassion leads us to empowered ministry and the harvest as well. So I ask you then, as, as we look around us at the world today, what is it that stirs your heart? With our eyes open, what is it that evokes your compassion deep within your spirits? within yourselves. For some of us, perhaps our compassion was stirred as we watched uh, the grisly footage of George Floyd's death in the street. Perhaps our compassion is stirred by those whom we know and love who have lost jobs or who are unable to physically visit loved ones due to the pandemic. Perhaps our compassion is stirred by those in our midst who have undergone one form of loss or another. How might we channel this compassion 
into empowered ministry? What does compassion-driven work in the harvest look like for Christ church, for each of us here today? There are so many ways we can channel our compassion, and, and one way that we see harvest here at Christ church is every Saturday morning. Every weekend at Sidewalk Saturday, there is a rich, plentiful harvest. And it is not an exercise of, of pity, of feeling sorry for other people and giving them what they need. Sidewalk Saturday is a harvest because we join together with them in relationship, in compassion, sharing of what we have, but also receiving. It creates an environment where we hear the suffering of others and we are able to commiserate with them and be with them and share our gift of presence and peace and bring wholeness and healing. It is a rich harvest for which there is a need of ever more laborers and to which I invite you. Perhaps, though, a ministry in the harvest might also look like the compassion that we have for other vulnerable members in our society. Maybe it looks like peaceful protest for the cause of justice. Our hope and prayer that justice might flow down like waters and flow like an ever-living stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Perhaps our compassion drives us to simply pick up the phone and call someone who has undergone loss, even without the words to say, but our compassion drives us to call and let others know that we are present. Such ministry is work in the harvest. It is transforming an atmosphere of loss and illness into one of salvation and hope and healing. So as we are gathered here today as one body of Christ, let us pray. Let us pray that God might open our eyes, even though it is painful. Let us not let suffering go unacknowledged. And let our hearts be vulnerable. Let our hearts be stirred with compassion in order to empower us to work in the harvest. And let us, as always, pray that in the midst of a plentiful harvest, that God may send ever more faithful laborers into his field. Amen.